0: All, right. Cool. We're all back.
1: right, we're back, we're good. So bad.
0: <sighs> all right, cool. let's, let's
1: try it. All right, that's let's all try the, this all for the real time, time we have for this week. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, that's our that's our hour and a half right there.
0: <laughs> so I don't know what to blame here. Should we blame the fact that we tried FaceTime or should we blame the f- the the betas that we are on? I mean, in
2: general, way? it's it's easy to blame the betas, right? So let's go with that one. Because <laughs> yeah, then it's course. clearly Zach's fault. <laughs> it's always the betas. Ouch.
1: Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have to restart my recording at the beginning. So, on the topic of beaters, should do some follow-up. I was listening back to the last episode, which I didn't edit. So, this part, uh, I didn't remember. But at some point, Kai's like, oh, Zach, I can hear your fans. Because you remember, we were recording in person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather not say what was going on. I was actually trying to update my phone to iOS 13. And that was the Finder going crazy. Mm-hmm. as Because that's how you update iOS devices. Anyway,
2: <laughs> that actually didn't end up working. So um, Wait, do you have to restart Finder now when you're installing the Xcode update? Uh oh, like with I haven't been prompted to restart Finder yet. Well, you can't even funny. restart
0: Finder at the moment. There's you, no way to quit Finder. Yeah, yeah you, you
2: can, can.
1: restart you can it. You can't quit it. Like oh,
2: if okay. you option option click the Finder icon, then it gives you the option to relaunch.
0: Yeah, but relaunch it. But you can't quit quit it. No. No. No.
2: So I guess that is that is finally thing, right? No longer having to
0: no longer having to stop
2: to quit it- iTunes. So good, music. you can
0: actually listen to music. Although, like that will be separate. But <laughs> uh, no, it's it's not having a benefit. quality of
2: life improvement. Yeah, Marco yeah, yeah, tweeted I that guess. this week that you can now ah, okay. uh, update. Your, your Xcode yeah, version. look at
1: that. It's pretty good. I mean, only another week till the next beta. Woo, can't wait. I'm so... Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: can't wait because you're so excited for it or because you're... Because so everything regretting is that you're broken. This <laughs> Would you um, say it's more broken than usual betas?
1: Um... The thing with this one is I have it on more devices than normal. I think the phone one is actually okay. The phone is pretty standard. Uh, you know, some apps launch slowly. Some apps look a bit funny if they have custom stuff with UI kit. But for the most part, everything works. I also put it in my watch this year. That was a bad idea because the battery life is bad. But also, I, I'm doing watch app stuff with Swift UI. So, I kind of had to make that sacrifice. Um, and I also have it on my Mac, which is unusual. But... Again, like, as we mentioned last time, because to do real stuff with SwiftUI, you really need it on the Mac. And that's the frustrating part, because having to restart the Mac every few days is not something I'm used to. I mean, first of first of all, problems, right? But occasionally Mm. things would go wrong. Like today, when I tried to open FaceTime and couldn't, and Discord and (laughs) couldn't. So, then I was like, I have to restart.
2: I, I actually had that on my perfectly fine released iOS 12 iPhone the other day that nothing would launch not even not even the shutdown you know when you hold the side button oh or, yeah yeah do you? you have a phone with a side mm-hmm. button? Where's the? Yes, I have a side leg? button. Okay, I uh, okay. like it. Has a
0: side button. Phones with I mean, top buttons. Yeah, the metal. top button. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Once you get up to a bigger phone sack, like, you will realize <laughs> that if you, you can't have reach the top a of your phone. correctly
1: sized phone, then the
2: correct yeah. placement
1: is at the top. But yeah. Anyway, was- that's
2: not a discussion I want to kick <laughs> up. Um, not even that would work. So you had to do the new dance that I, I, I just can't remember. I don't know. It's not that hard. Uh, would you know from, from memory how to uh, force shut down a iPhone X and XS, Marlon?
0: I would go to Google.com.
2: Yeah, see, that's what I thought. But turns out Safari wouldn't open on my phone. I would pick my computer. just
0: This is why we no, still need don't. Macs.
2: You don't.
1: <laughs> is there a different
2: way to, to hardware restart a thing? Yes. On, on the iPhone X oh, and XS, no. you don't hold three buttons. What you do is uh, volume up. You just click volume up. Then click volume down and then push and hold the side button. It's like a code. That's the worst.
1: That's I know. It's so unintuitive. W- like your phone breaks. Of- you don't have internet. You don't know how to yeah. fix it. So we're just going to yeah. press buttons randomly until something happens?
0: I, I, that's sort of what it feels like. Just press any random buttons and hope for it to work. It, it, it's like. You have to uncover the secret.
2: I I thought it used to be more difficult. So I did like all those kind of four down, button, up, up, yeah, yeah, up, up, four down, button combinations, uh, because I was I wasn't at home at the time, so it was not as easy to to just Google it on a different computer. So I played around with it until I figured it out. I mean, it didn't take forever, but there's no way anyone who has not done this before would would get to that. Honestly, I don't know if
0: people who I don't know if people know how to even turn off their phones.
2: (laughs) Yeah, probably.
0: Honestly, like you used to, it was a little bit more intuitive when you had a home button because you clicked the home button and the lock button at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But then for a while, I think you only held the lock button, but now you have to have like lock button and up volume button. It doesn't feel very intuitive to me.
1: Mm. And this is why software updates are
2: good because they force people to restart their phone. (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> but speaking of installing betas and having a whole bunch of i mean you probably installed the betas because you want to play with swift ui right um
0: no he won't what, what other options
1: it,
2: no yeah, exactly. i did it because
1: i'm a thrill seeker obviously okay. yeah. No, no I, well, no it, it
2: was swift ui macro- catalino doesn't even have the thrill seeker <laughs> tag attached to it so jokes on you um but um, based on all the things that are, that have been released and announced, what are your priorities at the moment for the post-dupped-up period? Like for this summer, I guess it's winter where you are.
0: Man, what a bridge, Kai.
2: I know, I know. Topic. Yeah, this is a, this is a really
1: good question. Mm. So there's a few things and okay. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have <laughs> a list of priorities. I just kind of know what I want to get done and what I have to get done. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of it centers around... I'm giving a talk at the DevWorld conference in Melbourne early September. probably haven't said that publicly yet, but eh, that's happening. Um, yeah, really excited. Woohoo. It's going to be good. Um, and actually, today I have to fill out um, my like talk proposal. And what I'm going to submit... So, this is subject to change because, you know, they might suggest changes. But what I'm thinking is an update your app for iOS 13 talk. I didn't want to do... Like last year I spoke about Siri shortcuts and that was very narrow and that was really fun to deep dive into Siri shortcuts but this year I feel like there's so much that I don't want to restrict myself to just one thing and I also and if I did restrict myself to one thing it would probably be Swift UI and I figure there's going to be heaps of resources on Swift UI anyway so um I think people will be fine without my two cents on SwiftUI. So my plan is updating your, your app for iOS 13 as like the talk title and I'm going to talk about, about a bunch of things, like bringing it to the Mac, uh, dark mode, um, and then maybe things like independent watch apps and shortcuts I could touch on, um, and then a couple of other things like deprecation of peak and pop, uh, SF symbols. So, I have some instances where I use like icons from some online service that I have to have credits for in the app. So, I'm going to move to SF symbols. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also the changes to UI search controller. So, I'm not sure if I'll get through all of those talk- talking points, but the... T- the yeah,
0: so, you, so, your priority is everything but SwiftUI?
1: Basically, yes. I'm not going to use SwiftUI all right. for this app. Uh, and it will also involve... How long is the talk? Well, that's the thing. It's like 30 minutes. <laughs> so, I'm not okay. going to get through all of those topics realistically, uh, or at least not in depth. But mm-hmm. ideally, if I could have like four of them that I spent five or six minutes on and then sort of a couple of slides on the others, I think that would be good. So so my priority sort of has to be, uh, and, and that will be sort of working through a, a real app and doing the updates for that. So the app is Petty. Um, it's now available worldwide, despite it only being useful in the state in Australia, which I live. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the... the purpose of the talk sort of will be to walk through how i've made those changes in petty and actually started mm-hmm. making those changes yesterday and it's quite quite exciting um, so that they need to be my priority that needs to be my priority sort of getting petty updates and then writing the conference talk so that those kind of uh, non swift ui features but then to scratch the itch of swift ui i'm also that glucose app that i swear is coming that i keep mentioning uh, <laughs> it will ship one day I'm slowly chipping away. Uh, I'm also rewriting the UI for that in SwiftUI, and I'm going to ship like 1.0 with SwiftUI, potentially entirely SwiftUI. If I hit any limitations, then I might have to revert to UIKit, but it's going to be a fun challenge one way or another. Um, so SwiftUI is sort of scratching that itch of like cool developer tools, and uh, that's, that's sort of a, my side-side my project for the winter. Um, whereas updates to Petty and writing the conference talk are my As in winter, you mean
0: in July?
1: It's currently winter. June, July, August.
0: Okay. Just want to clarify for people that you're not going to wait till December with doing this.
1: Ah, okay. Yes, sorry. So winter being right (laughs) now until the end of August, by which time hopefully I've, uh, made the changes and written the conference talk and have an update ready to go because the, the talk is early September. So I have to have it ready by then. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's my sort of agenda. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was...
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very big, big goal. Like, the, this agenda is pretty pretty optimistic. It, it's a good thing.
1: It, it's it's optimistic. I'm not expecting to get everything finished 100%. Like, obviously, the conference talk is priority, and anything else that happens um, is secondary. So,
2: All yeah. right. mm. So for mm. myself, I kind of have... Uh- Something like a hierarchy of needs. So obviously, I wanted to first play with all the shiny new things. Like um, software. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you but... did this by
1: not installing any betas.
2: Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I, I mean, I I do have X-Caine X-Caine betas on my MacBook, count. but uh, on on the real computers, I don't.
0: This was like the most you haven't been using your. Um, MacBook Pro in a, this much in a really long time, right? You actually end up using it for dark mode and things like that.
2: Now. No, no, for dark mode it's fine because you can just use the iOS oh yeah, you're right, thirteen simulator right. yeah, with point. the Xcode. Which was the first
0: SwiftUI that yeah
2: didn't. was very limited though, um, because I realized. I mean, first of all, the first beta was was relatively buggy still and and a lot of things were known bugs that would make it into a future seed so i felt like i didn't want to i don't know i I felt like there's so many things to do i didn't want to dive into something that was clearly not in a great state yet because that kind of forces you right or at least can force you into habits that you probably wouldn't adopt if you would have waited a week or two or a beta or two, Um, just because a lot of things are not available or error messages being incredibly cryptic and you spend like an hour uh, going down a rabbit hole that uh, ended up only being a spelling error or something like that. Yeah,
0: I think if you are interested in like learning more about how the betas revolve and that part of it it's interesting to be a part of that but i think you had other things that you had to get done and i mean
2: realistically there was so much stuff right so everyone would have other things to do as well so i thought I, i just go by like a pyramid of needs so i i have everything to make make everything i worked on working on ios 13 was kind of the highest priority so kind of the baseline. So that includes things like I basically just building it with the RS thirteen SDK and and fixing up everything that, that doesn't work or is uh, obviously deprecated or or just visually doesn't work anymore because you have like different presentation styles by default, right? For for model presentations, for example, with the cards um and those kind of gestures might interfere with other gestures that you have in those model presented uh, views so i kind of started with that just making making it work at all um and and fixing every kind of usability issues up with r13 um then the second step was dark mode so after after doing that i i uh, focused on making everything work in dark mode and for for the most part I was relatively painless for being there. I think I don't know what, maybe spend four or five hours on that to to get from no dark mode support to to essentially done with dark mode support. Yeah. But
0: then there was some like custom UI elements that you mostly want to change just for like a style choice right there were yes. certain things like um maybe having a different like accent colors and those type of things that you were playing around with but mm-hmm. i think that makes sense and that's the fun part of dark mode you don't want to just convert it and call it done it's fun to test it out and see how you can make like a special design for dark mode i think
2: yeah and it also helped um <laughs> dark mode is is it's great to find like i have different colors in the app right uh, most of them come from uh, asset catalogs But I realized that in in a few places I actually didn't use the asset catalog uh, colors but just had them referenced in in like storyboard or something uh, that isn't the asset catalog. So it pointed that out because when I switched to dark mode it didn't take the right color. So that was actually super useful uh, to just find things uh, where I referenced the wrong thing. So I fixed all of that up. Um, So that that was kind of the next thing. Um, from there, I went to uh, Catalyst, Project Catalyst, just to make things work on <laughs> I don't on a think Macbook. you have
0: to say project. It sounds that's a That's the official name, Arlen. I'm okay. That's the one I'm going with. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not going to question it. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so then I went to Project Catalyst. That was <laughs> m- not probably really necessarily a pyramid of needs kind of thing. Uh, but I felt like fun. after getting all the yeah. all the basics done, I I figured might as well try and see how it works on on Catalyst.
0: Yeah, I think Catalyst is a really interesting project, and I think it would be fun to convert a lot of things. But I think many people are just busy trying to get dark mode to work and other things that are changing for iOS 13. So I think many people haven't had a chance to explore this as much as the other parts and as much as like Swift UI. But, but it's, it's also, I cool mean, for me. <sighs>
2: Realistically, we, we expected Dark Mode to come uh, relatively soon for a while. So I I, I put everything already in the You've been Acid a good
0: citizen of the platform yeah. and done everything they told you.
2: I know. Just so like size classes. Realistically, it wasn't that much work. Hmm. It was basically picking new colors for certain elements. There's only one element really in the app that took a little bit of extra work, but it didn't take me as long as I expected. Um, so that time that I saved there, I now spent on on Catalyst. There are always those
0: things like, yeah, this seems useful to put all your colors in asset catalogs, but is it really worth the hassle? But I think if you keep on, keep up with those niceties that Apple are providing, there are often reasons why you should have done that. Like there are many things that, like you get many benefits for free if you just do those things by default. I know it's a bit... Everyone can't do this because some people might have a lot of other priorities. But I think if you are starting to add new things, it's always good to keep up on those. Pick up on those new patterns that Abra introducing, mm. and yeah, then it's a lot easier in the future. Mm. Yeah. So good job. Mm.
2: So I mean, everything now runs on Catalyst. There are definitely some some small improvements that I would like to do, like uh, shortcuts, like keyboard shortcut support, and some other small layout things that I think would be not. More appropriate for a Mac that they that that might didn't translate by just using basic UI kit elements where I could do some improvements, but it at least runs and it's I think in a state where it's shippable, which is nice. Um, and then Swift UI kind of pushed for me all the way up to the top just because you can't ship it with iOS uh, if you want to support iOS 12. And to me, it seems like... I I mean, I would like to be able to use it, but realistically, not a lot of things that I've worked on at the moment. I would just cut iOS 12 support day one.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's the case for most people.
2: And it it also feels like the part that is still changing the most at the moment. I probably, in a beta or two, I feel comfortable with uh, releasing everything I have. Um, for iOS 12, and if I get uh, my my strategy there is especially for being there, uh, considering that I'm working on the pre-order uh, feature at the moment, um, is to get out a very stable, like one first build with pre-order enabled, and then potentially bug fakes yeah. uh, I think if, <laughs> if required, and then yeah. if I have a really stable build that doesn't seem to have any issues, or at least no no obvious issues. To then have at some point a build after that that cuts iOS twelve support, so everyone who runs iOS twelve can still use the old build and can use it for everything they they want to use it. But then, kind of new niceties and enhancements go into into the iOS thirteen build. Same for the merchant app. So I have so if you order a coffee, I have a merchant app which kind of shows you all the orders and you can accept and those kind of things. And that merchant side of things, I think I will move to iOS 13 and Mm. SwiftUI relatively soon. Just because it's a lot of form-based things and SwiftUI really makes those things a lot nicer and easier uh, and quicker. Um, And for like a merchant app, it's it's easier to say I require a specific version because, I mean, it's basically coffee shops that I work with directly and I just tell them to update and then...
0: I think for like a consumer app, it's just harder to like to know when to like to, to balance that because I think it is very exciting to use Swift UI for new things like forms and things that you have to make that are just like quite tedious to make uh, in kit. Mm-hmm. but then if that's a completely new feature it's hard to like only support only give that to iOS 13 users and not to other users so it's almost like you have to release like you like you're doing I think it's good to release a version that has the features that you sort of planned for the upcoming future in it and then start dropping it but it must mm. be I, I can imagine that it's quite frustrating to have to sort of keep on using your iKit until september because you have features that you want to support but it's it's just a decision i think you have to make on like app by app base mm. um but i think if you make a new app and it's not going to be done until september i think considering that ios users tend to pick up new um, iOS versions quite quickly. I think it's not a terrible idea to only do iOS 13. No, I would I would higher. jump on
2: that Yeah, uh, if if I know I wouldn't ship before September. Yeah.
0: The problem is that if you would want to have beta testers, you sort of rely on your beta testers being on iOS 13 before that. But I think it depends on the size of the project.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. But... Yeah, I can imagine being frustrating because it's like, you have certain things that you also have to do and you want to continue adding features, but certain things will just be so much quicker if you just I do know, it in SwiftUI. It's like, you have this perfect way of doing it, but you just can't jump onto that yet. And I think that's a mature way of doing it, but it's a little bit, it's like... It's a frustrating time right now to like keep on adding things, and I understand why it's less motivating, just because you know that SwiftUI is just around the corner.
1: Yeah,
2: but it's it's alright. And then the very top of the pyramid for me is watch uh, watch watchOS stuff, like watch independence, because mm. at the moment I don't have a watch, uh, watch app for being there yet. Um but it's it's definitely in on the roadmap, but I will just make that watch a six exclusively. So would you want
0: that to be watch independent uh, phone what do you say? Watch watch independent?
2: <laughs> no, watch app that's, what- that's watch independent? No <laughs>
0: phone independent. Independent from the phone app. Yes. So how are you thinking of doing that? Because I think I don't know how much you want to say about it, but um once you start adding pre order you would require something like Apple Pay or adding a credit card. How would Mm -hmm. you do that for a watch app?
2: I I mean, you you can just log into the same account, right? So you just log into the same account that's already set up.
0: Oh, so you would have to set up the account on a phone and then have the watch independent?
2: Mm, Probably.
0: Okay, because I'm just thinking about... I don't know how far... How independent it is. If you're downloading... Can't you download an independent app from the watch app store? Yep. And then you would potentially not have an account. So do they have... Would Apple expect you to have account creation on the WhatsApp?
1: Sign in with Apple. But yes, yeah. they do also have... Um, they did also add text fields this year. So mm. you can, oh, yeah, in theory, true. sign in. Uh, there's and a few I- niceties with
2: that. I would probably so you- do that. I, I probably have. Uh, sign in with Apple and create create an account, sign into an account. Yeah, I think that's But there's sensible. no type
0: of keyboard support. Would that be dictation or would that be like a touch? Ah.
1: Okay,
2: so there's three
1: ways. Okay. There's one is dictation. The Mm -hmm. second is that weird drawing interface that you can use on the Apple Watch to type things out one by one. Yeah, Scribble. Uh, And the third way is actually the coolest. It's like the new Apple, sorry, it's like the Apple TV uh, input where you can. Uh, search for things from your iphone if it's nearby so mm-hmm. the same goes if oh, you're uh, yeah. entering text into a text field on the apple watch your phone will show a prompt hey do you want to uh, finish putting that text in from your phone so that's probably the most Even convenient if you don't way have to sign in on your phone that's right it's okay. just a remote it's a keyboard oh, okay. remote okay cool so cool. that's that's a cool
2: system yeah yeah i haven't really obviously kept up
0: yeah. to date with the with the apple watch but, thing, but you can so also get the
2: um password generation on the watch right oh can you I thought oh, so, but that, maybe I am cool. That would make no, sense. No, no, you, you could be right. I, I don't know one way or another. That's Depends.
0: cool. Depends. Like, is keychain available on the watch? I would guess so. I, I assume
1: so. I imagine so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm. No, but that, that would make sense then. That makes it a lot easier. Um, cool. No, I'm just curious, um, how those mm. things will work. And it's, it's also, you, there's so much more to a, to an Apple watch app now. It's not just an inter- a dumb interface you actually have an independent thing but i think it will be hard for developer. i think some people will struggle knowing what to like again like the balancing act there like how much should you actually add in a watch what makes sense to have in a watch but definitely things like a sign up and a sign in screen would be necessary
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah and i think most watch apps it actually makes a lot of sense to not have uh not have reliance on the phone anyway and that has been the case for a while but um, not completely practical for a lot of apps, but now I think I can think of very few cases where it makes sense have dependence on the phone. And yes, that might mean slightly more friction for that initial sign in, but then from that point forth, none of the code is going to run on the phone. Mm. So, um, I think that that's hugely beneficial. So,
2: yeah, I think it simplifies it's uh, things a lot more because mm-hmm. you always had with what watch kit stuff. You had so much back and forth between the, the watch and the yep. device. And you had yep. to handle all the issues that you might get. And you had to mm-hmm. put things in particular data structures to, to to push them across. And it was just a mess. Yep. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, It's really cool.
1: I'm looking forward to being able to order from my watch. Because that's a complaint that I've had for uh, food and coffee ordering apps until mm. this point. Is none of them have an Apple Watch app. Or if they do, it's like, view your recent orders. But it's useless. Because... Yep.
2: No, no, I definitely order. want to do, especially just reordering, right? A lot of people just yeah, have the yes, same course. orders they want to order. So just being able yep. to quickly reorder from your watch seems seems pretty appropriate.
0: I, I don't know how much you have actually mentioned about your upcoming pre-order feature on the podcast, but I think it makes sense for something, especially for something like a coffee app, because it's usually like a one thing you want to buy. So if you have that as a default selection option on, on the watch, that seems very nice of a, of a functionality
1: exactly and also it's a pretty low risk thing i mean like in general sort of one touch ordering or even two touch ordering like they can be a bit risky if you're you're talking about large items but when you're talking about a coffee and you're on a, you're you're wearing a device that you have to authorize with a passcode before you can put on it, like it's a pretty safe thing to to be reordering and it's a pretty like i think the convenience mm-hmm. weighs out any potential risks of like you know accidentally ordering mm-hmm. and stuff it's not like yep. a phone's today widget, which most of those usually kick you into the app so that you have to unlock the phone, which I think makes a lot of sense. Mm. But the watch, it's a completely different platform and we should be treating it like a completely different platform.
2: <laughs> so I'm very excited and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, mm. But mm. for me, that, that all, all watch stuff will wait uh, closer to September just because I want to write it all in Swift UI. Uh, because that seems very appropriate for the watch and obviously the independence. So, there's there's no chance of shaping that uh, any earlier than September because we need watchers and therefore that's kind of the last thing on my list. Sounds good. I'm mm. excited.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um sounds really exciting. Um I haven't I, I haven't actually updated to a beta on any of my computers yet, so smart. Uh, I think it's. I think it's smart, but I have this itch. I really want to start with SwiftUI. Uh, I don't really have anything I need to do dark mode support or watch support for, so I'm feeling like I'm in a good situation where SwiftUI is worth my time. I think that's a good thing for me to focus on. Um, so definitely going to do it. I just had a few other things coming up uh, unrelated to um, SwiftUI. I guess that I had to deal with first. Um, but yeah. I'm going to either create a separate partition or buy a separate hard drive, so I can actually... Uh, just buy
2: a separate computer?
0: Or that, yeah. Or or I just <laughs> I just buy a Tesla.
2: Sure, that's because, unrelated, but might as well.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I'm not going to buy a separate computer. That seems a bit of a no-kill. Uh But I'm going to se- add a separate hard drive so I can run it, because I really want to play with it. And I have all those things I want to... I have an app that I want to work on, so... It makes sense to do it there.
1: Mm. So just on this topic of like the updates that we want to do and the things we want to work with over the next few months, I wanted to ask how you deal with keeping up with the news. Because, And I don't mean news as in like just general tech news, but like just in general with all the changes from WWDC, obviously there was so much, and this is something I'm struggling with at the moment because – I find myself wanting to work with all these shiny new technologies. I also really want to watch all the WWDC videos. Now, I've watched most of the videos for the the technologies I'm going to work with, but also just as general interest, I want to watch other sessions as well. And, you know, they're all between 20 and 40 minutes. So, it's like it's a big time commitment. And then, in general, there's also a lot of, like, blog posts and articles. And I guess there will eventually be things like conference talks on a lot of these new things. And, like, I was wondering how you decide... What you should read or watch or keep up with, and how you decide. Oh, and, and when you decide, oh, enough's enough, I'm just going to start building with Swift UI, for example. Because I know this week I've been bouncing around quite a bit between uh, reading a really good book on Swift UI, actually using Swift UI inside projects, and SwiftUI? also. Tr- yeah someone's written a book on Swift UI it's okay. amazing it's actually my pick for this week okay. I will talk about it later okay. Okay. but um, yeah so I'm I'm going between a book on Swift UI com- like WWDC sessions not necessarily related to Swift UI but just I watched a bunch of watch sessions this week and then also implementing my own stuff and it's like like it's so much fun but also there's only so much time in a week oh. so <laughs> do you have any uh any like strategies for dealing with like, cuz obviously there's heaps of content coming out after WWDC? like, Do you have any strategies
2: for what you pick and choose? I mean, for me, it's easy. It's it's just a super pragmatic approach. Uh, the same way I would recommend usually when people get into programming in the first place. Like, find yourself something you want to figure out. Like, if you want to solve a problem, if you want to build an app, if you want to build a website, whatever, just have something in mind and then figure out how to get there. And I, I would do the same with the, those kind of more... Larger changes around WWDC, DC, you know, there are, there are definitely always things that you're like, all right, I definitely want to support dark modes, and then you figure it out. You definitely want to support um, iOS 13, and then you figure it out. So I'm I, that is my approach. That's why I'm. I mean, that's based on my my kind of pyramid that I set myself uh, up with. Uh, is SwiftUI is just not super high priority. I I mean, at the moment, everyone's writing stuff, and that's cool. But I think if I'm just being able to to stay away from that for a month, then we'll also have things that are more refined already. So I'm 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 totally happy with doing things based on what I need right now.
0: Yeah. So like dark mode, for example, was a like a, a clear thing for you to focus on because it's something you would have a direct use case for, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than like we said before, you would be able to pick up SwiftUI on the apps you're working on. So you have to find a balance so you can actually. I think it's often difficult if you are working on other apps to actually make, like take the time to do those things and start learning new things just by going through tutorials. I think uh, tutorials can be really useful, but I think if I was to pick up Swift UI, I would maybe start looking at tutorials, but then I would quite quickly move on to something like a direct use case that I want to have for it and use tutorials more like a reference. Uh, because then I, I feel like that's an easier thing for myself to spend the time on because I know that it's something that I need directly and it's the same with you for Dark Mode Kai I think uh, it's something that you needed to learn about because you want to support it so you were very focused on the task at hand.
2: Hmm. But it's also I mean at the moment it's probably the point in time where we as a collective group of developers know the least about Swift UI we'll ever know in for the rest of our lives, right? Yeah,
0: but I mean you picked up Swift from day one though
2: Sure, I'm. I mean But that wasn't because I had actual things to do. That was basically, I was like, all right, I guess I learned the Swiss thing now. But it wasn't that I, therefore had to sacrifice other things I could have done. So I think it's... To me, just like at the moment, everyone will have an opinion based on incomplete tools and incomplete uh, understanding, probably. But I think so, it's
0: exciting to actually be part sure, of forming, sure. so forming that understanding. But that might
2: be your your, your goal, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if your goal is to really drill into switch your eye yeah. and figure out how it all works. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But yeah, like, or
0: if you want to be part of that community of like, sure, writing blog posts about it and figuring out what to use it for. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: That kind of removes the stress kind of perception anyways, right? Because you're like, I would like to be really involved in with you, I thing and you ex- enjoy spending your time on it. Stress usually happens when, or often happens, I shouldn't say usually, often happens when you're doing things and you feel like you're, you're running out of time is because out of time because there are too many things and you're switching between them back and forth. But if you just have one thing you really care about, you really want to do, and you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on that, then it's more of an enjoyment rather than a stress. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. I for me, I just focus on one thing at a time, get a good understanding, implement it, wrap it up, and then mm. move on to the next one. And that is that is my general approach to those kind of things.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. And like it makes a lot of sense as well. I think... I was, but yeah, I'm more approaching it from the perspective of these things are fun and I want, like, it's not like, oh, I want to know it all for the sake of knowing it all. It's like, I really enjoy mm-hmm. watching the sessions and things like that. So that's why it's a question of what to prioritize. It's not just a matter of what I want to put in projects. But I think in general, that is a good way to work as a developer is just learning what you need to know. And then you can sort of master something the more you do it.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, it's also not necessarily cool. mastering, it's like, you just. I mean, that's that's how I know I work best. If I'm like, all right, dark mode f- until it's done. And I focus on that. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I'm done with that, I, I might not be a master of of the dark by the time. <laughs> but um, at least I, I have done it. Like, I know more than I did when I started. And I knew enough to get it done. And then I move mm-hmm. on to next thing. Next time I will do something... Uh, implement dark mode for something, it's probably first of all in a different environment. It might be an app that's completely new and you build it for dark and light from day one. Um but then you learn some more. But it's like I, I just find it very satisfying to learn and produce at the same time. And then moving on to the next one where you do the same thing again. Yeah, cool. But I mean it it really depends, right? Some people just really like watching sessions and they just watch all the sessions and get a really broad overview of everything. And I kind of do that too during the week at WWDC because that allows you to talk about it a lot more and talk about it in the labs and talk about it with other people and you kind of have some understanding about everything, like a baseline understanding. But as soon as I feel like, all right, I have a base understanding of how UI works, I have a base understanding of, of dark mode. I mean, we had that already for Mac OS. Um, and like a base understanding of... of um, of the independent watch apps and, like, all the other things. And then I go into, like... Because I, I, I would feel the same. If I wouldn't at least know a little bit about Swift u i it would always be like, I should look into that because I at least want to see what it's all about. But that's kind of my approach. First go broad, but very shallow, and then go deep in, in one after the other. But I'm also... In a, I work by myself, so I'm also kind of forced to do <laughs> everything myself. It's not really that I can pick one and then never touch the others. I know... Even if I start with dark mode today, I will get to UI at some point.
0: Yeah, but I think some people would maybe not prioritize dark mode. They would maybe be like, "Oh, come September, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna do that because I have other things." Like you might have other features that you want to carry out. So I do. yeah. So how comes you decide to focus on changing things to dark mode rather than
2: it adding new I think
0: that's a hard balance as
2: well. Most for me, it mostly came down to I want to make sure stuff work on iOS 13. So I just ran it with Xcode 11 in the 13 simulator. And I was like, "All oh, right, where where am I when I just turn the switch to to dark appearance in the simulator? Like, just to see how much work right, yeah. there will be. And then, and then I not that much, there again. wasn't that much work. Hmm. So I was like, okay, might as well... Uh, do it now then if if everything would have been horribly broken or the app would have been a lot more complex than it is maybe then I would have pr- prioritized otherwise but I, I was fairly confident that I could get Dark Mode done in a day um, and therefore I thought alright, might as well do it now
0: yeah, okay
2: but and, and in general, dark mode is probably a good thing to have started
1: with because if you think about the new features, it's probably exactly. the most stable because yeah. it's been in macOS as well and you don't need to run a macOS beta to, to use it. Uh, and if you think about something like SwiftUI or even independent watch apps, they're new things and I'm sure there were a lot of issues in beta 1. There's probably almost as many in beta 2 and maybe from beta 3 or 4 onwards things start to get better, but I know definitely... Uh, if you're using SwiftUI at the moment, you're probably doing it because you enjoy the challenge a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's doing it to be as productive as they exactly. can be because it's tricky and things don't work as you would expect. And error messaging is really not there yet, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And yes, I filed radars, <laughs> um, but
2: you mean you feedbacks? know these things? These
1: are the things that will get yes feedback. <laughs> these are the things that will get fixed over the the next couple of months.
2: But that's really right. Yep. If that's your goal to to kind of be in the new technology before it's it's very polished then that's totally fine and that's that's a cool thing to play with but it really depends on what where are you personally at the moment in your project what are you interested in at the moment in your in your in your tech job and life and hobby and what else um, you know so i feel like that that's seems like a reasonable approach to just be driven by what you're excited about and interested in yeah, good point. But also, if you keep working on things, like dark mode is something you can 100%, even if you're not shipping, even if you ship before iOS uh, 13 is released, if you have a good understanding of how dark mode works, you can build most of your features already with that in mind today, yeah. even if you're shipping in iOS But Pro. isn't there also Swift a problem? UI mm. on the other hand, is, is kind of hard, right? You can't say, I designed this view for Swift UI before yeah. it ships. But That's I guess like also,
0: the difference is like dark mode, if you would... If you would have, if you would release an app that support that's built for iOS thirteen, as soon as iOS thirteen comes out, it will be available in dark mode, no matter if you want it or not, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more pressing in that way as well. As a user, wouldn't notice if you write things in SwiftUI or not. Mm-hmm. So I think dark mode should probably be prioritized. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, there are quite a few apps actually in iOS thirteen that have things broken because I think the system is trying to do some of the smart color things already, and I know I've got some. Uh, dark nav bar. sorry i've got like dark nav bars that where the text is now dark because i yeah. must have just mm-hmm. been using like the default text mm-hmm. and uh, like they're changing that automatically but they're not changing the back of the nav bar and it's like uh mm. these are the things that like there's nothing pressing but oh actually in petty the search controller doesn't work whatsoever in iOS 13. You um, you think there were two um, search controllers. You, yeah well i gained an extra one just by <laughs> a, anyone so who compiling. opens the app on iOS 13 yeah. will have a second one. Yeah I said, um, and, and is good. neither of them actually work. So, um, well, actually, I think one of them will search, but you can't go through to the detail view. Okay. Um, so it's well, that's- I, need, I need to do a lot of work around the search
2: uh, <laughs> controller. For me, all in, the, in search- the next few months, all the text field um, appearance things didn't work on in is 13.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I noticed there's some like they're not lining up properly. If you go into the search, um, search for coffee shop.
0: Have you guys customized your search box,
1: Yeah. Yeah, everyone's their search <laughs> bars. They're all s- no, no one's done a search bar as Apple intended. Ever, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's um, probably. But now customization can be done easy-ish, uh, with relative ease. Yeah. yeah, so maybe I can go back to like the system standard and not do some really hacky thing where I'm looking for subviews mm-hmm, and changing the mm-hmm. colors and the the fourteenth subview. You know, who uh, would have
0: thought that would break doing, things? But- honestly. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Do you yeah. play with that in uh iOS thirteen in Xcode eleven? Not
1: yet. I have priorities, like in terms of what I'm doing first, and search bar is up there, but it's not there right. yet. My my next step for Petty, and that might be this afternoon pending um other things, is I have to I have to use a split view controller so that it works on the iPad. Well I don't have to use a split view controller, but I want to use a split view controller so it works on the iPad. Uh, because I don't have an iPad app at the moment, and you need an iPad app if you want to go to the Mac. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of getting to the Mac via a detour, um, exactly perhaps. as Apple intended. Probably at least an afternoon's worth of work. Yes. Yep. Now all the platforms get petty if they so want it.
2: <laughs> cool. All right. That I think that kind of wraps up the the Dev tool part of this episode. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. Mm. Um, I'm also looking forward... I'm not looking forward to it, but once iOS 13 comes out, I am interested to see how many developers have actually released new versions that are supporting those things like Dark Mode. Uh, I think Dark Mode is something that many people have been anticipating and been very excited about for the iPhone. So I feel like it's something that many people would want to have supported by third-party apps, so let's see how that goes. I think at the moment the Mac, a lot of Mac apps are looking slightly broken if you run it in dark mode and they haven't been updated. So, yeah, I'm just curious to see other people's priorities and how this is all going to happen.
2: Especially on iOS, it's also quite jarring if you have all your apps are dark and then you hit the one bright white app all of a sudden. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, so, on a Mac,
2: it might be you know you already have some darker apps, some lighter apps. Exactly. have of them yeah. already had themes before, where people picked the themes they wanted. Hmm. But I think on iOS, just based on everything being full screen at the moment, at least on yeah, it's a bit more iPhones jarring in that way. Uh, you kind of have this crazy contrast between like everything dark and all of a sudden everything yeah, yeah. white.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to play around a bit more with those things myself. Hopefully I get time for that in the upcoming weeks.
2: Hmm. Mm. Man, I want to talk about pixel perfect design with SwiftUI. Yeah, me too.
0: This is a really interesting topic that you wrote.
2: I don't know if it is interesting.
0: It could (laughs) potentially be interesting to talk about this. Do you think...
2: All right, maybe, maybe I just ask Zach. Zach, do you think pixel perfect design will still be a thing in the future?
1: Pixel but per- I've never understood pixel perfect design <laughs> yeah, can, when you have
2: multiple screen sizes. I it's am, not possible. Yeah. I mean, can, you, can you, you get-
0: define pixel perfect design first? I mean,
2: <laughs> um, I can roundabout define it. Um, a lot of people... <laughs> so did- you
0: can... It's funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I don't want to pinpoint uh, <laughs> my definition. But it's essentially, um, if you get a design that is not an app but a design of an app and then you implement it and then you do a diff between the actual result that comes from the app you created and the screenshot you had There's, all the pixels should be in the same space as they were on your reference image I guess that's kind of pixel perfect design designer yeah. gives, you, gives you the design and you implement it exactly to the point or to the pixel yeah. like that and but in
1: what world are you getting designs for all the iPhone screen sizes with all the different text sizes, with all the different scaled resolutions? Like, it's not realistic. And, Maybe and you can have pixel
2: perfect design for one screen. And then, obviously, also, uh, you have dynamic text sizes, right? So, uh, for, mm-hmm, for every yeah. single no, we don't accessibility settings, that. You, you have a pixel perfect design.
0: Uh, I know, I know. That's often a problem I see as well. I think many people design for... Pixel perfect for perfect eyes as well, yep. and I think often when you scale it up, it doesn't look that great. And if you if you've been trying hard to make everything pixel perfect and actually went to the extent that you made things customs uh, when it comes to a layout, it will actually be quite hard to allow that to be scaled up as well. Mm. So I think using native UI components makes sense and. I think...
2: Really? Native native <laughs> UI components on a, on a on a device? I know. Crazy but I think also online. pixel
0: perfect design isn't really something that... I feel like this... Now we're being mean. Like I don't think designers really want a pixel perfect design. And I've worked with
2: the designers both ways. Okay. Some some of the... I mean, I prefer working with the more lenient people in general. <laughs> when it's like, yep, yeah, this looks good rather than this matches exactly the pixels that I set out. Yeah. But because some many... people are very, very particular about their designs and they like that. But overall, I often found that to be more of a productivity hindrance rather yeah. than a... Yeah,
0: I think many designers are very reasonable. And if you... Specifically, if you don't have a custom design, if they are designing something that's built upon... Um, that That is actually using native UI components, I don't think they will have problems with it not being pixel perfect because... It's just using the native UI behavior. And I think in order for them to actually make their design pixel perfect in, in accordance to iOS design components, it's going to be a lot more work, right? Because they have to look at the specific iOS versions in order to determine what is pixel perfect when they design it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's why like Swift UI comes in quite perfectly. It can be more. I think design can take more, take more of a UX, like uh, more of a wireframe approach. If people are happy with that, if you're using like, so if you, if you're using actual native components and that's what you, you you want your app to look native and use those components, I think it could be fine to communicate between designers and developers by just saying, I want this to be in a table view layout and I want it to have, um, uh, well, like, I, mean, the- I, I mean, obviously sketched up in some way, but I think. It's hard to predict what that's going to look at on different devices and on different iOS versions. So you can't really have it that perfect in the design. I mean, SwitchUI,
2: you you can still do a lot of custom UI that still needs to be designed by whoever might do a design. So
0: I think from that perspective, there might still be quote-unquote pixel-perfect design. And that might still be a thing. But I think when it comes to things like forms, I think many people would be happy to just use the default that iOS is providing.
1: And that's the other thing. If you are using iOS defaults, that will change with updates to iOS. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you will get modern things that make it look more modern for free. You will maybe get things that don't work in your favor as much for free as well in updated versions of iOS. And that's, it's an interesting trend towards something where you just kind of tell Apple what you want, and they decide how it looks and how it's laid out and the color of certain things, yeah. even with those system colors that they now have, which I'm a fan of, for the record.
0: Yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit, I was actually a bit concerned about that. I was like, ah, oh, everything will look so boring. But I've seen a lot of people, or I've seen some people on Twitter actually making very custom UIs using Swift UI. So it seemed to be very customizable as well. So I think you still want to have a nice-looking des- looking design. And I think for things like Forms, it makes perfectly sense to just use the default components. But when it comes to those other designs, I think you can you can make it custom too. But maybe you can even have a... This is going on to a different topic, but I think you could even potentially um, change the way that you're working design and development together. I think it can be more, more, like a, more collaborative, I guess. I feel like... Designing, laying something out on, uh, in iOS has been taking quite some time before, so you couldn't have a designer sitting right next to you while you develop it. Whereas I think the fact that Swift UI is reflecting the changes so quickly means that you could maybe just sit the designer and developer together and sort of, like, make the design There and I think, um, but also just it it provides more collaboration because you can see everything, right?
2: Yeah, in general, I think the collaboration is good. It doesn't even, even just, uh, I mean, I also like when people more people have access to the source project, right? It's you can even use Swift UI stuff more as a prototyping tool now, yeah. Which, uh, I mean, it's always weird when you go into prototyping and then you go from there. It's funny, that's sort
0: of what many people use StackViews for, and Swift UI is. Using a lot of stack views. Yeah. So I think yeah.
2: that from that is, I, I hope that that shifts to teams to be both encouraged, but also realizing the benefits of working closer together um, or using tools that are as close to mm. the actual product that you're building. Yeah. I think it can um, speed a
0: lot of things up if you can implement it directly. And I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case all the time, but you can have a quicker turnaround
2: process, mm.
0: right, right? Because you don't have to lay everything out in order to show something. Mm. Um, yeah, you can mock things up.
2: Yeah, should be interesting. And if you're interested in custom SwiftUI stuff, I don't know if you've seen uh, Meng Mengto flying by on Twitter over the last few days, weeks. Uh, Zach? Um, I
1: haven't, but you're not the first person to mention. Oh, okay, yeah, he's, so,
2: he's done yeah. from Montreal, Canada, by the way. Uh, he's done a lot of... Um, custom swift ui mm. uh lately and it's it's quite cool. quite impressive and it looks it looks beautiful too and custom animations and everything is interactable and those kind of things uh looks pretty good nice to see it's good because that was a concern a lot of people mm-hmm. had everything yeah. will look the same but yeah doesn't need to you can still use a lot of the swift ui benefits mm-hmm. without making everything look like a, a list
0: yeah he, he's making some really cool things
2: I'll link it in show notes. Can you send
1: me a link to his profile? Sure. Thank you.
2: Cool. Then mm. should we move on to our things? <laughs> move on to our the things. the week yeah. that we like.
0: Um, did you have an update sure. on servo.net, Okay.
2: Not not really. It was down for a day and now it's back up. So okay. if anyone else wants a backup solution in case... Uh, because that's a thing, right? Server Surveyo. The thing I talked about last time—the kind of um, uh, to expose local servers online, kind of this uh, SSH tunnel thing—you um, rely on someone else's machine being running, and if that's down, that's annoying. So that happened, I think, this week. Um, but there are a few few other services that work very similarly. So localhost run is one of the alternatives. So if if you like the workflow of being able to not having to install anything and expose your local development environment to mobile devices, uh surveyor.net is still my recommendation because it allows more customization, but localhost.run is a good backup if the service is unavailable. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Thanks. Of the week. Marlene, do you want to start? This time, you actually have something on your list by the time we enter what the segment, I had something
0: so. on the list last week. I had two things on the list last <laughs> week, actually. I just couldn't decide.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, sh-
0: take that. <laughs> so. Taken. I can take. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can start.
2: I was just about to say, so Zach should start. <laughs> no,
0: no, I'll start. Okay. So, I picked a TV show this time, uh, and it's called Good Omens. I feel like that's how you pronounce it, right? Omens. Right? English-speaking people.
1: That- uh, I don't know because this could be like a pun. It could be anything. I haven't seen the show. Good Omens, right? Yeah. Mm. Okay. This yeah. is just like not okay. Yeah, I think- All right, it's not like a fancy name.
0: No, no. I was okay. It's called okay. Good. Omens. No, I wasn't Omens. sure if
1: it was like. Oh, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was like a play on words. Or no,
0: anything. no. Um. So it's a show. Uh. By Amazon. Uh. Amazon actually makes a really good show. Um. And it
2: is. And BBC.
0: And BBC, and it's based apparently based on a novel, also called Good Omens, um, and it's basically about uh, a demon. And this this does sound very very funny now, but it's actually really it's a it's a very serious show, but also funny at the same time. But yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> uh, it's about a demon and an angel um, that are sent to Earth um, to do things that demons and angels do, and you sort of follow them around, and they... I don't want to say too much, but it's sort of about them trying to, like, balance their good and evil, and doing their missions that they were sent to Earth for doing, and it's really good, because this is with uh, David Tennant, who is uh, from... Who I know from Doctor Who originally, and he was also in um jessica jones quite recently and his character is sort of similar to jessica jones but a bit to the one in jessica jones but very much more child friendly uh but that said good omens is not a children's show it's pretty scary from time to time so uh, and it's also they are swearing and cursing and it's it's a really good show (laughs) um it's it's a really funny show. All the
1: swearing and casting yeah. great show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's not what makes it good. I'm just saying it's not it's not really a children's show. But I think it's interesting how David Tennant is this like actor who many people love from Doctor Who, but because he was quite young when he was in Doctor Who, his career sort of progressed and the same people who liked him in Doctor Who would really enjoy this show because they are adult now and they would really like to watch it. Um and yeah. I think it's good.
2: It's mm. Yeah.
0: I don't know how much more to say, Kai, because I hate spoiling
2: those things. No, I wouldn't spoil yeah. uh, it's if, if yeah if you're at at all inclined of I mean it's it's there, like it, fantasy, right? Some some uh jokes about religion and misinformed people uh related to religion. So if that's something you're at all interested in, I think that could be <laughs> yeah. a fun show to watch.
0: And also if you if you like fantasy shows and if you like Doctor Who, then you you're gonna like this, I think. Uh it's a very unique show, but I think the people who like those type of shows will really
2: enjoy it as well. And pretty cool uh, special effects too. It's a lot really of, good, yeah. C- combination of like actual uh, um, visual effects, but also a lot of practical effects, and I think that's yeah. a really cool And there are so many
0: good actors in this as well. Like, I wouldn't say I had a, I see a single bad actor or actress, and many of them are quite known from other things, so it's fun seeing them popping up in there, and mm. yeah, it's good. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, a second that recommendation. Hmm. All right, should I go second and then we? Finish yeah, go for it. But, that this time. Yeah. Um, so sure. uh, my pick is I did have to check that you haven't picked this before
1: actually.
0: He hasn't. And he hasn't.
1: You've picked the iOS version. Yep, but it's also You're different to pick um, the Mac because version. this
2: is also a uh, Solver 3. So, my pick is Solver 3. Solver I've used for I don't know how long. Uh, as long as I can remember using a Mac, I've used Solver. Um, it's an amazing notepad calculator type application. So basically it it feels like a free form, uh, calculator. So you can say something like, uh, um, I don't know, the, the, the vacation was $5,000. We split that by five people and add...
0: Why do you need to calculate?
2: (laughs) I don't know. And we add a 25% tip. I don't know why you would do that, but you could. I tip
0: on your vacation.
2: I don't know. We tip on vacation. Okay. North America. Uh You tip on everything. Uh Um, Or uh, now with uh, Solver 3, in particular, what they added is a lot of uh, um, date-related maths. So you can say days between the 3rd of November and the 2nd of January times my day rate, which is a variable you define, uh, minus 20% tax or whatever. And it calculates, it knows how many days there are, it includes all kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it knows how many days each month has and then gives you how many days there are. Or you could do kind of um, today minus 15 days and tells you which day it was then and those kind of things. So it does a lot of date related, but... Uh, math but based on how you would think about them at least how i would think about them in dates and normal things and not in in i don't know not normal things i'm not good at selling this but it's 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 super useful um if you do anything math related in your life ever uh solver probably helps you with that and in a way that you can also look at the notes you know, I mean, I, I think all of us probably had some calculator open at some point, and we opened it again days later, and the, it just says 42. And we're like, I don't know what 42 means anymore.
0: You know, everyone knows what 42 <laughs> means.
2: Um, but with Solver, you might see. All right. Yeah, for, you have
0: variable names and everything.
2: $5,000 for the mm. vacation divided by five people plus tip. <laughs> I know what this might be. Um, so it's super useful for those kind things. I'm a I'm a big fan, mm. and Silver Three made everything slightly better. Added some features, but also just overall a nice design polish, so the app looks a lot more modern and sleek. Yeah, yeah. Silver Three, great All app. Right.
0: Mm. Good recommendation. And
2: Mark Edwards, uh, app icon, and I forgot his name from Sydney doing the development. Good sell. Mm. Mm.
0: It's a so this is an Australian app.
2: It is an Australian.
0: I app. didn't realize that. Mm. Mm. See, you should buy it.
1: Woo, support the Aussies. Mm. I didn't know that either. Mm. Uh, yeah. I have the iOS. I should buy the Mac one too. I it's mean, not available in the Mac App Store, so I just Apple. noticed. Do they say why? We can guess, but like, have they you know, sometimes people publicly talk about these things. Anyway, all right, uh, I'll have to check it out. So, uh, my pick, and I alluded to the...
0: I can't hear him. Do no. you hear him?
2: Nope, he is gone.
0: He was hacking.
2: (laughs) Really? Yeah. Hmm. Can you hear a sec? Now I have to remember what I was talking about. Cool. And we're back. How's Spader treating you?
1: Yeah, it's great. Um... I love when my computer restarts in the middle of a podcast recording, but we didn't lose anything. I did just listen to the end of the uh,
2: wave file that I was recording before, and
1: nothing has been lost. So, and that's
2: exactly why we're recording in wave rather than any of the uh, compressed formats.
1: Okay, so my pick this week is a book called Swift UI by Example by Paul Hudson. I alluded to it earlier, but it's. it came out i think a few days after wwdc finished and it's sort of just a collection of um like introduction to swift ui stuff it sort of talks about swift ui components versus ui kit components and how they translate um it describes how to do basic uis and things like that in swift ui and it just i think overall the the biggest benefit is like a uh Different being exposed to different understanding and sort of like it explains how Swift UI works, like fundamentally, um, which is like sort of a really good way I've had to get an overview of what Swift UI is and, and how it works. And it's not super long, like I'm only reading it for like 10 minutes a day, and it's probably not going to take me much longer. Um, but yeah, I just it's been a really good reference guide.
0: So the book is free,
1: it is free, yeah. Um, okay. It is, I think most of the stuff's available online and we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, And I think online he's done it as a collection of articles because he writes like these smallish articles for his sites and then like compiles them for a book. I got the book through an email newsletter thing. um, So I was able to download it as a PDF. But yeah, it looks like uh, if you go to the links online, pretty much everything that's in the book is just, he's on his website split into different... um, articles which sort of equate to loosely to the chapters um
2: so yeah it's pretty good um it's it's, it's pretty impressive to to get oh, that it's done so crazy quickly. but what does it give you that apple's documentation doesn't
1: nothing really or it's more
2: including including dub dub sessions
1: it's more just to have like one thing that i'm referencing as a learning guide um whereas apple's apple has so much documentation like some of it's good and some of it's not so good. And they're, they're, tu- so
0: it's more like a, yeah, it's more like a dictionary, yeah. like a way for you to look things up quite quickly. Okay.
1: Yeah. And like that's good for like referencing a specific thing. And their tutorials are good too, but also they take like 40 minutes each and there's like four of them. And I'd rather be building stuff, but this is sort of just a good thing that I'm working through progressively to just, to just understand the like basics and, yeah, go over go over like the intro to Swift UI because hey, we're all starting fresh again, and it's good to know these things.
0: Is it opinionated as well, or is it more like a starter guide?
1: It's not. It's not too opinionated. No, um, it's mostly just here's how okay. to do X, Y, and Z with examples, and here's why you might want to use it. So okay. I find it pretty good. I've uh, I often enjoy reading things on on his site, uh, hacking with Swift. Um, Generally, has really concise posts which are good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the same um, thing. So I think yeah. he,
1: that style has translated across to this book, and it's pretty well written. And um, and also, he, like, he he's a pretty good writer as well. Like, he's not super bland. Um, because some of this stuff can be really bland if you're just laying out the facts, but he writes it in an interesting way. And um, most of the examples are pretty good. Um, so that's sort of just like my go to for getting started and then as i have specific problems there'll be i'm sure other blog posts or apple's documentation and other things that i can reference um to learn swift ui stuff as well as dub dub session videos of course so yeah
2: cool
0: cool all right
2: all right despite all those beta (sighs) woes we We somehow made it it through the episode yeah Yeah, problems getting
1: started problems finishing it's just non-stop today (laughs) keeps us on our toes it's good. Exactly. Very, very. And exciting. Gives us something to talk about and complain about because Whoa. we don't
0: have enough of those things.
1: <laughs> no. Speaking
2: of that, um, I, I, th- the more I think about a Mac Pro, I don't think anyone will actually buy that machine. At least no one. Anyone? More no
0: one. No.
2: No, I don't think no? so. I, I th- Why? <laughs> I think uh, realistically. It so feels that like, means you won't buy one. Uh, realistically, I completely talk myself out of it. it makes okay. absolutely no sense for me to get one. No. Um okay. Just because it's it's not a seven thousand dollar investment, it's like fourteen because I want to monitor with it and mm-hmm. a stand. What um, you need that? I know. It's just ridiculous and realistically, it's it's not the machine for me. It's like I pay for all those things I don't actually need, or it almost feels. <laughs> and annoying to spend that much money on something that I need so little. Like I, but also, if, you
1: could yeah. buy, like, three pretty well specced iMac Pros in the next I know, 10 years I know. and, you know, have a modern computer, a computer that's never more than three years old and still have spent less money. Yeah,
2: and I also know myself, I mean, I, I will buy a new computer every every year or two anyways. Um, yeah, you would
0: not do that with this. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I mean, and it's you, just no, ridiculous. No, you could upgrade parts of it, hopefully. Yeah, but then, it's, then it's I mean, modular. they will have
2: stuff like, you know, arms going into Macs, and then might be doing interesting things with, ARM Max, uh, there might be face yeah. ID coming to it. There might be other security things that move into Max over time, right? And those yeah. kind of things will be hard to upgrade. So I'm like,
0: yeah, no, but that's always going to be that way. And hopefully, you could resell it then if that yeah, would yeah. Happen. But
2: that's that's usually my strategy, right? Buying yeah. buying a computer, selling it after a year, hmm. getting the next one. But I feel like it's it's too expensive, and also at that point,
0: it's also going to be hard to resell. Yeah,
2: it. I don't know what kind of private you know. I w- wouldn't want to put a fourteen thousand dollar Computer yeah it seems like assembly it's on Craigslist. yeah yeah what do you so. even need to sell a thing like that
0: i don't know Bank,
2: yeah. <laughs> Higher security, yeah. PlayStation, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just I think it's 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 crazy. I mean, it's yeah. really it's a cool machine. I'm happy it exists for Pixar, um, and some other Pixar-like companies. It's just so far away from from what I actually need that it makes don't sense. And I
0: think that's I mean I don't think Apple meant it to be for us really. Like it's it's really like I think I said this before when we looked at any of the sample. Uh, computers in the setup in the demo room. Yeah, there wasn't they a were... developer machine. No, no, <laughs> wasn't a person sitting there developing uh, in like thirty simulators. It makes sense
2: if you have like a if you want to use it as a built machine. I think then then it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but then you don't Especially need a the right-mounted one. Yeah, like if if you go d- down that route, that again makes sense. Yeah. but as a day-to-day development machine, it feels. Like, not quite the right thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's, like I said, I I, I just don't think it's meant for that. And I don't think it's... I mean, this might not be the only pro computer. If you want something that is more modular as a developer, they might come out with a cheaper version, and this might just be the initial step to have a modular computer. So I think if a modular computer is what you want, and you don't actually really need this machine, I think... It's probably better to wait.
2: But it's also just a monitor, right? The, the reason why I wanted Apple to make monitors is because I don't like any of the others. $7,000, however, for most of you, you know, yeah. if you're competing with a $40,000 reference monitor, if, sure. Yeah, yeah. If you think, oh man, I should have, I would have spent forty, dollars now I can only spend 7 what a bargain. Mm-hmm. Great. But I wouldn't have. S- Bought a forty thousand yeah. dollars reference monitor. Otherwise, so and for I think me, there's so many goes, other. Yeah, uh, I spent like five thousand dollars on top of an iMac to have a monitor where I mean it would be slightly too large for what I want, and it has a lot of features that I, you know, I yeah. I mean I do care about good that displays are good for that. a lot. But yeah, but you not, have an
0: iMac Pro for that, I think.
2: Yeah, so you don't uh, need
0: it to that extent, I think. Yeah, I have to go downstairs to pick up some food now. Actually, so it was great chatting with you guys. But all right,
2: I have to go. I'm going to run. Yeah.
1: Bye. Great timing. All right. See you next week.
2: Uh, I also think realistically, I don't think Marco or Syracuse will get that. It's it's just, it's considering how WWDC was such a, like, very extremely developer focused this year. And we all said, if they announce a Mac Pro, it needs to be during WWDC. In hindsight, I'm actually surprised they announced it at WWDC wwdc because it feels that like that
1: was the- my argument all along yeah but it feels like that developer thing mission.
2: that that didn't feel like it would have- it could have been though right if if there would have been an option without xeon and they would have sold an imac like screen as an external screen like a pro it's fine to have a pro display xdr and i think it's great to have it but i'm surprised there's no pro display without xdr like the imac as an external monitor and a uh, more baseline Mac Pro, um, then that would have shifted this entire equation, right? I I would have liked a tower computer that's modular, but it's the modular part that I like, not the uh, Xeon with like 48 cores and 1.5 terabyte of RAM. That's not what I'm after. I'm after the modular part. And... I don't want to have an entry price of seven thousand just to get myself modular. Yeah, fair point. So I think realistically, I'll just go over with the next iMac Pro whenever that's being refreshed, and or even uh, just a better spec iMac without a Pro. I mean, I do yeah, like I think the that's the f- right choice for you. the The lack of fan noise is great in the Mac Pro, but I can get pretty close to that with the iMac Pro. But otherwise, I think realistically, a, a better specced iMac would be the better machine overall but considering that I can't get that without or with a cooling system at least right now I think maybe the iMac Pro is a good option yeah so I'm, I'm I will see I'll, I'm interested to see if we if we run into anyone who actually buys that machine because I do think it is, it is a very much not a developer machine
1: no, I agree. Well, we'll all be running our builds on there with Buddy build this time next year. But until then, <laughs> very much on developer machine. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's a good good machine to rent by the hour.